0: Hello and welcome to the Pints and Penalties Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Rory West and on the podcast this week I'm joined by Harry Chimim. Hello everyone. And Jamesy Mack. Hello. First pod this season Jamesy, looking forward to it. Oh I'm born ready mate. Born ready, born to run. The slow branch. (laughs) Anyway, uh, got plenty to get stuck into over the weekend. Um... Might as well, might get stuck right into it at Tannadice, where Dunn United broke Rangers' unbeaten run of 41 games, beating them 1-0 a goal from Jamie Robson, uh, doing the damage. Um, both of you, you catch this game, either of you, live? or? I did, yeah. I yeah. did, um, went for a run at halftime, came back in for
1: uh, sort of the last half hour. Um, and I was actually... I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised but very surprised at how well Dundee United acquitted themselves throughout the entire game especially first half which is um, the bulk of what I saw um, defended well in the second half and obviously got the goal but yeah um, impressed big big improvement in, in the space of one week from what was a pretty abject performance against Aberdeen and um I thought they were well worth at least getting something from the game, maybe not win, but um,
0: rode their luck at times, and uh, massive, massive result for Thomas Courts, the newly um, adorned name in the media. Yeah, the only manager to get his name changed this season, so far, at least. Um, yeah, I was so impressed with them, especially given, well, as you just mentioned, the performance last week against Aberdeen and the... Reaction to it as well and that there was a, a real sense of negativity surrounding <clears throat> not just the the manager and how he set the team up last week but just the the squad and whether it really had enough about it uh, especially given the lack of bodies um, that that have come into the club so far this summer but um, yeah they, they had a clear a clear game plan and to stifle Rangers um, really you you probably would say that they limited them to a few clear-cut chances I wouldn't say Rangers had anything nearly enough to, to win the game um, but as well as that there was plenty of times I think it was largely from set pieces to be f- fair but Dunn United did look quite threatening, um, and I suppose it's worth mentioning this was out without um, Lawrence Shankland, who has left them now for a uh, beer shot in Belgium. But Jamesy, uh, what did you make of Dun uh, United's performance here? Well, yeah, I think basically just reiterating what, reiterating what you both said, you
2: know, I watched the Aberdeen game against them, and, and you know, I thought... On first impression, you know, you really shouldn't judge people in the first game, but you're thinking, oh, this could be a very long season for them. You know, because they just look gutless and just unimaginative. But here, they were just so well-drilled. It's something I, I normally say about a Rangers team defensively. Like, last season, they were always drilled defensively. But this is exactly what the United did. They were so, you know, every man knew their job. Um, I didn't see the first half, like, but this, you know, the second half, um, I think they were... Well worth a um, win, and even even a point. I think they would have been happy with because they, um, you know, especially in front of their fans. I think don't know if that has made any difference, but uh, you know they did they did make a good noise for them, and yeah, just happy for
0: Big Thomas. I I the, the point you're making about the fans. I think this was probably the first, and was only the second week, but this is a real instance of the a home support making a difference because there was plenty of times where the the United fans were or done United the team were I wouldn't say dropping off but they at points required a bit of encouragement and the United fans gave them that and it really boosted them gave them an extra sort of uh, belief and it's, it's probably worth saying as well that um in terms of the the sort of tactical shift from courts as he swapped from his three four3 that he played at, uh, against Aberdeen to a 3 433 it looks it looked like anyway um Mark Reynolds dropping out and I thought the the midfield balance this week was was so much um well so much better and it looked as though there was a clear understanding of, of the roles I thought uh, Fuchs was probably uh, Robson's probably going to get the the plaudits or man of the match shouts because he got the goal, but I thought Fuchs was just top class, and uh, I thought Ian Harks had a really good game as well. Um, but in terms of of Rangers, this well, what we can touch on it uh, briefly after we look at this game, but I just thought for for all the ball they had, they were created so little, and it was just. <clears throat> they just looked like a side that I totally run out of ideas which is something we have were so uh, not used to from Rangers last season anyway
1: I don't know, I don't know if it's a case of um, because there have been quite a lot of uh, changes from game to game obviously with uh, Rangers being busy at uh, this early stage in the season he's kind of chopped and
3: changed here and there, Morales has come in for this game had a couple of chances. wasn't maybe at his sharpest. Lundstrom comes in, for example. Um, I, I don't know if that plays into
1: it, but yeah, it, it certainly felt like they just weren't quite on it.
2: Not quite as sharp. Um, it's obviously difficult when
1: you're playing games in Europe, but I don't think that that's a valid excuse for a squad as um, as deep and with that much quality as for Rangers. So. And then, you know, coupled with the European result, it, it feels, yeah, they, they just need something, uh, a bit of a boost, something to raise morale at the moment. Because for whatever reason, it seems as though they've just dropped off a little bit.
3: Um, I'm not sure exactly what the reason is, but like you said, I didn't think, I can't think of a
1: a really good chance that they had Morelos from an angle with a header and also... Um, Sort of half chance from again the angle within the box, but aside from that, didn't really feel like they opened Dundee United up that much. Which um, it's quite disappointing because another thing I wanted to say quickly about Dundee United was sometimes out of possession they were quite uh, bold in the way that they set up. It was kind of a four four two shape where Hawks would push up alongside Clark. And sometimes, even though I agree with you that Fuchs had a really good game screening in front of the back four, um, there were times where there was space in behind the, the midfield four, but they never seemed to capitalise on that, which is really rare for a Rangers team with, like I said, really talented attacking
0: players. I'm not sure if, um, <clears throat> obviously mentioned about Dun United's balance in midfield. As, yeah, you mentioned there with, with Lundstrom coming in. I just... I didn't really see the need to have a three of Lundstrom, Davis and Kamara in a game where I think you were always expecting Rangers to dominate the ball. I don't think either of those guys are players that can potentially push up into say a number 10 position. If you, if you were in possession of the ball Um, and it, it just seemed at times they were getting in each other's way and it, seemed as though also that it, it, they didn't allow the fullbacks to get as forward as, as they usually do and then <clears throat> it also doesn't help when you've got a guy like Kent who is just totally out of form, looks an absolute shell of his former self, I, I really don't know what's happening there and again he was really bad against Malmo last night um and I just, I'm not really sure what Gerard was thinking with that midfield three there, I'm not sure if he had um, Tuesday in mind, but yeah, not, not totally convinced by that team selection. I think um, just now they're really
2: screaming out for uh, Ryan Jack in the midfield, and I think it's going to, unfortunately for them, they need to remember that, um, for example, like Arfield and Davis, they're not young anymore, you know, they, I think with his rotation he needs to get it right because, like for example, Tavenier and you know, these players have played a lot against no Tavenier, was in, they were actually they both full were injured last season for a bit, but, you know, I think they are, the likes of Davis and even Kent, I think they're still maybe burnt out from last season, I don't know, I just think they look really lethargic and, again, over reliance on maybe older
0: players, perhaps. Yeah, I think... Um, you're 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 definitely looking at a point where Davis is is certainly not going to be able to play every game because he played last night and I thought again not going too far ahead with the game against Malmo, but I thought Arfield looked really out his depth, whereas maybe he'd have been a better option um against Dundee United. Also, thought they looked much better when um when Scott Wright came on and he came on for Lundstrom and the shape changed a wee bit, but but by that point. Um, United were already one 0 up, and they were chasing the game. And despite him coming on, and playing quite well, and Rangers looking a of wee bit better when he came on, they still didn't create an awful lot. And I just thought as well, when you're you're getting into the latter stages of the game, um, their delivery wasn't great. There wasn't any up op- because I think in commentary Andy Walker said something like, "When Defoe came on, he'll have one clear cut chance. It's a guarantee," but he didn't. So what's gone wrong there I don't really know but I guess to switch back to Dundee United um, it's a bit of a it's one of I think Robbie Nielsen said last week when um, Hearts beat Celtic that you've got to follow it up and it's a bit of a cliche but Dundee United need to go and do that now Um, there's no point in playing so well and then sort of returning to the sort of performance they put in against Aberdeen but do you reckon this is a turning point in this season already? I think it could be because I think that Thomas Courts will have plenty of encouragement
1: to be bold um, in terms of his team and and sort of uh, shape uh, that he he goes with from this point onwards. Again I, I quite liked the fact that he had set them up uh, out of possession, almost in a four-four-two, because it, it meant that, unlike some other teams who we'll discuss today um, in difficult games, um, when they actually did win the ball off of Rangers, they had options to go forward. They didn't have an isolated forward in Nicky Clark. Uh, plenty support. support. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think that that worked and that suited them. It suited some of their personnel. I think Mulgrew looked a lot more... Um, settled in a back four as opposed to the back three that you mentioned Rory so I think uh, it's big encouragement for them obviously there's different uh, expectations when you play um, well a side that isn't Rangers Um, you know you've got more impetus to get on the ball and have a bit of possession dictate at times in a game Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to that but yeah encouraging for sure
0: uh, Jamesy, any last thoughts on uh, this game before we kind of shift on and touch on Rangers in the Champions League? Yeah, I was just going to mention it about Mulgrew. I think we didn't really give him a fair shout I thought he had an excellent game. He mm. read
2: pretty much every ball and, you know, he wasn't afraid to you know, there was a couple of interceptions he made that, you know, before he even came up to Danny United, I thought he was he, you know, I didn't imagine making things like that. So I think he, he deserves a bit more,
0: uh, just a bit more of a shout out. But yeah, yeah, I thought Mulgrew was immense. Um, looked a real sort of um, <clears throat> presence in that back line. Certainly more so than Mark Reynolds. But anyway, uh, touch on Rangers in the Champions League, went out to Malmo last night, losing 4-2 in aggregate, uh, 2-1 again on the night. Um, and f- f- if you watch the game... Uh, if, or certainly watched the first 20 minutes you'd have thought okay or first half an hour maybe even you thought right this is rangers will comfortably win this tie and, and go through and they they just totally especially after the red card just before half time they just totally dropped off and again they didn't look anything like the team that we're used to seeing especially in europe just to, Almost looked as though they took their eye off the ball a wee bit, and I think full credit to Malmo. They they deserve to go through, especially given the performance in the, the second half with ten men. But that's that's just a serious blow to uh, to Rangers because we all know what the Champions League money can can do for a club, and they're not going to get that. And it's it's not as though they've sort of went out quite unfortunately, they've went out with a wee bit of a whimper, really. Yeah. Uh,
1: sorry, Jim Um I, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's not like this was a, a particularly, uh, no disrespect to Malmo, because they have European pedigree, but th- it wasn't a, a side that should have been daunting to Rangers, considering the, the opposition they've came across in Europe um, in seasons gone by. It's just such a massive drop ball from them. And um, yeah, like you said, I mean, the Champions League is a, a whole new sort of level of financial revenue for, for a club like Rangers to, to get into. And um, yeah, I mean, this is such a disappointment. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they absolutely deserve to, to get all the stick that's coming their way because, um, sorry, Celtic have been in similar Uh, positions in in seasons gone by and they've been absolutely torn to shreds for results like this but especially yeah against 10 men it's just an unacceptable thing to happen and it's just it's just an alien thing to happen to this Rangers team because the word that I would think of when I think of Rangers at the moment is, is ruthless they won't let you off with a mistake like that and somehow it's happened here
0: but Um, Just a shout out to, I believe, is is it Emre Cholak who scored two goals? I think it's Antonio Cholak. Aye, Antonio. Is it? I thought it
1: was Emre. That would have been a a Galatasaray youth product, but yeah. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, like I said, just a
0: massive, massive dropped ball. Jamesy, what have you got? What's your thoughts on it? So, like, just as you were saying
2: there, um, about the Daniel United game, you know, the energy from the home fans, you saw how much of a difference they made. But as soon as they went quiet, you saw the energy levels dropping. Like, I think it was maybe around the 30-minute mark. And then, I, I don't know, was it around that time? Yeah, I think it was around then. And then you saw it was becoming just a little bit more even. And that's when Mammal started to come into it. And then, um, you know, I just think that... I, I, I don't use the word lightly, but I really think there was a bit of complacency came into the the play there, um, you know I, I said it to one of my mates who's a Rangers fan, not in any like, bad way or nothing, but I said like you, you're just stunned um, after that and I think, you know, if there was away fans it could have potentially been even worse but I just think that um, it went back to the season before, so the 1920 season, you know when they were shipping Goals and they were looked sometimes a little bit shaky in defence. I don't know. Just caught like um, I just remember that that was what I kind of noticed from that game. Was like they kind of went back into that um, phase before last season when they were so well drilled that you like something that that would have ne- would have never happened. So I, I don't know where if that stems from that control they maybe missing in midfield or if it is again just a defensive thing. But
0: um, yeah, all credit to Malmo. And that Cholak was just an absolute handful the entire game for the defenders. Yeah, I thought Balogun who came la- came in last night for Rangers was really bad and looked a- looked like a player who potentially was out his depth at that level. Um, but anyway, for, uh, we'll move on to let's go to Celtic six Dundee nil. Let's start with Dundee. <laughs> this was just absolutely catastrophic stuff from them. We uh, were just saying before we started recording, we were totally puzzled by the way that uh, James McPake set up his side. You turn up to Celtic Park and you uh, you line up with um, Paul McMullen, Killian Sheridan and, and uh, Paul McGowan as well as... Um, I suppose, a midfield three of McGee, Byrne and Adam, you're not leaving your defence um, very covered with uh, with some of those guys, I guess. Um, and they paid for it big time, as well as the quality of some of their players being exposed, such as Christy Elliott and Lee Ashcroft, potentially. Don't want to t- t- totally dig these guys out, but yeah... Um, they looked so far off the pace. Uh, it was just pretty um, demoralising stuff for Dundee fans, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, the team selection is puzzling for, I mean, obviously, the like you mentioned there, the protection for the back four is, is not great. <laughs> but on top of that, if you're looking to hurt a Celtic team, um, or this Celtic team at the moment you're probably looking at well what do they do in possession they push their full backs on very high because that's what they're they're good at Ralston and Taylor um, and both guys out wide
3: don't really offer much of a threat in behind McMullen and certainly
1: not McGowan and then Killian Sheridan also is, is not somebody who I, I would fancy to be making runs in behind of a defence and that's what I would, um, I would say the the main Achilles heel of the two centre halves for Celtic is, um, is, is kind of pace and behind, and Killian Sheridan is not the man who offers that. That Dundee have at their disposal, get that their options are are maybe not the best, but it just does not make any sense from both a defensive or uh, attacking standpoint. So very strange, very strange, and um. I mean it was just a really difficult
3: day at the office because going forward they offered very little I think there was one shot that sort of tamely trickled wide and or in fact it was
1: going wide and, and Joe Hart just kind of got a meaningless touch on it but yeah so far off the pace and it was six in the end but it easily could have been eight or nine
0: Yeah and I think probably one of the, the big issues for them as well is that There's quite a few goals that are pretty similar. I think there's one from Furuhashi that's almost identical to Rogic's goal, and it's just the the defense getting pulled apart. Players just just following well, following bodies and or following the ball rather instead of bodies and um, showing a complete lack of of structure. Which I guess sometimes that can come down to the manager. Um, and would you say that some of these goals are absolutely outstanding? That, and you know, there's nothing Dundee can do about it. Probably not. I think there's a few that they can do something about, and it's just them getting moved about. And I'm really, I'm not wanting to go over the top here, but this is that's a this is a, a seriously worrying result for Dundee because yeah, teams can go to Celtic Park and get absolutely humped. We've seen that before from probably better teams, but they just looked so frail and it's pathetic. <laughs> Too strong a word, I don't know. But Jamesy, what did you make of this one? Well, I think, uh, I think I've just
2: got to highlight that they number five, Sweeney. I think he was just, honestly, it's just amateur defending the whole day. Um, You know, as a defender, you know, marking and anticipation is like the bread and butter, you know, anticipate the cross, anticipate where the man's going to run. And he just, uh, you know, he said to himself, he's just all at sea. I thought the gaps, they're just so, so open. Um, And against Celtic, you can't do that. And I think for, you know, um, confidence in the Dundee team is going to go absolutely nowhere. Um, I, think, I don't think there's any there's enough um, speed in that Dundee team either um, to I don't even know you could have done like 6
0: at the back and it would have probably still been the same result because I just don't think they looked anywhere like I don't even think they could have even put up a minor fight I think anything less than 6 and they would definitely flatter Dundee and that's probably the worry that you, what you said there, you could have went six at the back, and it probably would have been the same. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Just yeah, let's 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 look at Celtic. They've obviously came off the back of um, a win in Europe after the losing away at Tynecastle Castle last week, which was a disappointing result for them. Um, definitely a lo- a lot more to be uh, encouraged about for for Celtic supporters, and I think the the biggest. Bars sort of encouragement would be for uh, Furuhashi. Definitely, um, looks like he he could be a, a top quality signing for them. I think you could probably say that his goals are all tappings really. But you could, that can also be suggested that his, his movement's really good. Um, what did what did you guys make of his performance? Well, I mean, you touched on it there. It is his movement that
1: just like sticks out to you when you watch him, um, I mean, before he even scores the first goal, he, he he shows a few nice little flicks, he's got a nice touch on him as well, though, um, because he has a really good chance, which he puts wide, uh, he sort of flicks it off and then gets the ball back around the corner, um, but yeah, it, it's the movement, and I mean, we could obviously talk for days about the, the poor defending from Dundee, but... It's actually his anticipation and his uh, kind of understanding of where the space is going to be for the second goal that you notice as he's basically in full flow sprinting into the box he, he takes a look, sees where Sweeney is, notices the gap in behind him where he's moving and uh, all in one motion he's, he's into the uh, spot to score so it really exciting um and I think that it's kind of strange because I didn't realize that um, this guy's 26 years old, but it seems as though something has obviously clicked for him in the last year because uh, Vissel Kobe in uh, Japan, he scored 15 in 21
0: games, scored 3 in 6 for the Japanese national team. Seems as though something has just clicked in his game and Celtic uh, like has picked up this guy at the exact right time by the looks of things. Obviously, I don't want to get too carried away. Um, the Celtic fans have had a lot of banter about it. Um, on social media, but looks a really good pickup. It'll be interesting to see how he does against uh, maybe some steelier defenses in weeks to come. Yeah, um, Jamesy, what's your thoughts on him? Oh, table is an absolute joy to watch. It, in my
2: opinion, I think it's just honestly, and I think I said it to you. Really, I think he, he reminds me a little bit of like early days Lee Griffiths. You know, he doesn't need to do too much. He doesn't need to cover a lot of ground because. And because he, he's so nippy as well, like as soon as the ball comes into that final third, he's already eyeing up his run. And okay, I, I, it's just flagged off the Dundee defence. But again, yeah, I agree with Harry. You know, it's it's partly him as well. He just reads the game incredibly well, and he's not one of these ones that needs to even um, bust into like second gear at all in the entire game. He could cover so minimal ground, but it's just that little. A, um last minute runs and I think his finishing is I think he did snatch quite a few chances in that game but I think that's just going to come because you know he he's only just come to Scotland you know he's not probably um, I don't know where they were in Japan with their um, leagues and everything but you know I think it's something that he's it looks like he's just only going to get better and I hope, it, I hope he does because it's just it's quite refreshing to watch and it's it's almost looking like Celtic are almost back to the normal with that kind of game because it was just a typical like Celtic of old type like, performance. That's what I was thinking. It just reminded me of like the you know the Brendan Rodgers days because that's basically that's exactly how um, you know Celtic what used to play. So I think um, that's a brilliant signing, and I think you will be quite happy. That it's already paying off.
0: I think we'll probably. But the other thing as well. Sorry, I was just going to say the other thing as well.
1: I think you're absolutely correct about. it, it being kind of like the Celtic of old, because it was, you you maybe do have the guy who's going to steal the headlines, which Furuhashi certainly does, but there was quality all over the pitch for them, and I thought David Turnbull was absolutely fantastic with some of the range of passing he showed, the set-piece taking, he takes really, really good corner, Um, I thought he was amazing, I thought Ryan Christie looked something back to his best, Um, and Tony Rolston as well. I think he's he's actually taken his opportunity at
0: right back for Selig. Uh, again, he's going to face sterner tests, but uh, so many positives just from this game alone for Selig. Yeah, I wanted to point out David Turnbull. He was, uh, he, as you said, he was really good. I, I think it's especially his pass for uh, Rogic's goal that, yeah, Chris Elliott should do better, a wee bit better. And uh, he got so, just so tight to Ryan Christie that. Um, it, it pretty much allows him to skip by him so easily but yeah I guess you mentioned Tony Ralston there um, Eamon Brophy's made me look like an idiot already this season I think I said last week that the the goal that Ralston scored against Hearts you will not see that on a regular occurrence now I know it's not the same goal but he's getting into a decent enough position and finishing off the chance so yeah I've made I've been made to look look a fool twice out of uh, in, the, in the first two weeks. So long may that continue. But I guess for Celtic, you don't want to get too ahead of yourselves just yet because as well as they played, Dundee were awful and made it easy at times for Celtic. But they, I think, especially for their supporters, they needed um, a performance and result like this to just reassure them that it's not going to be a repeat of of last season of just another season of mishaps i guess but um anything you want to add on this game before we we shift on <laughs> Resounding, convincing scoreline. So it's definitely an encouraging thing for who Obviously, had a difficult start um, in his first few weeks, but yeah, steps in the right direction. Right. Let's go. Uh, let's go to St Mirren one hearts two, um, hearts continuing the the hundred um, percent record in the the top flight uh, on their return. Um, I thought. So it's, 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 uh, quite a lot of bits has been made of Hearts' away record at, in the top flight anyway, and I think it's it's pretty poor. I, I was pretty stunned to find out that they hadn't won at St Mirren since 2010. Now, I, I, I'd, I'd imagine there's a good few years that uh, the, the two teams weren't in the same league, so sometimes that stat can be a wee bit misleading, but um, we were Hearts convincing in this win? I'll go to you, Jamesy, with this one. Do, do you think they, they deserve the three points and do they look like a team that are going to stay up this end of the table? I'm not saying top, but I'm looking at the European spots at least. Uh, I think, well, as a, granted, I've only seen the, uh,
2: the highlights and everything, but I think, you know, from, from what I've seen, they seem quite in control. I think, you uh, know, I mean, what I did think was some type of performance you wouldn't expect away from home That's kind of it's what you would expect at Tying Castle when they'd dominate a lot of the ball I think they limited to uh, limited Samirin to you know not, not really allow them much into the game um, but I don't know I, I think I think from their um, perspective uh, well, or even Samirin's perspective I think um, you, need to, you need to turn up a little bit more but uh, yeah, I think I think it was just a typical. Yeah, there's not really much I can say. I don't because I don't know too much about um, what happened. But from the highlights, I think Hearts more than deserved that the win. But I do, I do think they'll be around the top six for sure. I think um, they've got enough about them, enough quality in the squad. Just I think it's the best thing is for them is the away form, as you say, and to keep everyone fit.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, <sighs> I would say Hartsbury had the better of the game, but Samoan did have a, a fair few chances. And um, just to sort of switch to them quickly, what I would be quite concerned at is outside of Brophy, I'm not entirely sure that they're, they're forward players. I know I, I think uh, McGrath's a really good player, and he does sort of pick up a few goals. And sometimes, well, I know a few of them are through penalties, but. I would be a wee bit concerned about the quality in the final third, because they do, I think the, the possession was 49-51 uh, in Hearts' favour, so sint did have a fair chunk of the ball, but they didn't they didn't really do an awful lot with it, and I'm not really sure what you're going to be able to do with, with Curtis main up top, he's just I think he'll be a fine enough signing for St Mirren, but I can't really imagine this guy's gonna pick up more than six goals or something. I think the the, the biggest threat looked or came through Brophy throughout, and yeah, I, I'm not really sure what uh, wh- where they're gonna go. I think they're definitely gonna need some reinforcements up top, and well, <laughs> especially for the the next game because one of their forwards is already suspended, with the, probably one of the dumbest red cards we've seen in a while, but. What did you make of their their performance as Simon? I thought they were okay. Uh,
1: like you said, I, I think Harts controlled a lot uh, of the game, especially early on. I think Simon kind of were pushing, uh, certainly in the second half, and then you know they get caught with a, a really, really poor goal that they see for Harts' second. But um, I, I thought they were okay, and the one thing I would say is that Kurtz means a good point to touch on, and it's not that to just individually slate him. But um, one thing that I noticed was there There now is this tendency, because you've obviously got this big physical presence up top, to just go long. And I thought that St. Bryn last season um, made pretty decent strides in terms of just being a bit more expansive, a bit more progressive in the way that they moved the ball up the pitch. And I just
3: think that sometimes against a... Uh, a, a,
1: a, a defence like Hearts, you're you're just kind of nullifying yourself by going long so many times because you can catch out a, a less steely defence sometimes, like they did last week against Dundee with a you know, just straightforward punt up the main. He flicks it all trophy scores, but it it doesn't work. In every game, and uh, having to rely on Curtis Main, who isn't exactly a lethal marksman, is. I just think it
3: blunts their attack more than it does enhance it. So I think that's a problem. I think, like you said, I mean, where the goal's going to come
1: from other than Brophy, you'd honestly probably be looking at Tate outside of (laughs) uh, of Brophy for your biggest goal threat. And obviously, he hits the bar in this game, he gets into the box quite well for another chance. It's just that's what's lacking for me with St. Mirren. Um, I thought it was quite competitive second half. I don't think they'll be overly concerned, but that's the the problem they need
0: to remedy quick. Yeah, I think that's probably a, one of your big concerns is that you've got Richard Tate playing at uh, right wing back and Joe Shaughnessy, your centre half, probably having better chances in the penalty area than Curtis Main, one of your strikers, and. Um, well, I'm going to imagine Christian Dennis as well, even though I think his only highlight that was in the SPFL's package was him getting sent off. So um, I can't imagine he was he picked up any decent positions. But I think like I just in the, in the way they lined up, I think they matched Hearts and uh, St. matched each other up. And you look at like Greg Kilty in number ten for them, and I don't really think he, he he popped up at all in the in the highlights package and. Is that is that an issue with going long all the time you'd maybe think that going long he'd be popping up for the second balls but never really picked up those positions and a lot of the good chances were uh the the, the brophy had is mainly him creating them for himself really um so that that's that's probably a worry and I, I, yeah as you said, I'm not sure they'd be they're going to be too concerned about the, the, the rest. It's still really early days, and the, you'd expect the hearts will be finishing above St Mirren. But yeah, I'm not really sure um, what 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 they're going to see, sort of do going forward in terms of the the final third. But yeah, in terms of hearts, um, I think it's just crucial to I think at this stage. When you're you've just returned to the league, if you can just keep on p- picking up results, and then the performance will kind of add or add the performance to the results. It's such a important thing when you're 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 getting used to the new season. But um, yeah, I think uh, have you guys got anything else to add on on this game, or do you want to move on? I was just gonna say, um, I thought a couple of uh, standouts for Hearts were probably uh, Shooter. I thought. He's a guy who looks
1: more and more, uh, when I watch him, ready for a step up in terms of the way that he brings the ball out from the back and can, and can play progressive passes because there's a, there's a really good example of it and I'm trying to remember exactly where it happens in the game but he plays that lovely pass around the corner anyway. to, to uh, In fact, it's forwards and mackay Stephen has a little shot um, which goes over the bar and Janelli plays a nice little dummy, but yeah, I, I think he stands out on the pitch for me at times for um, for Hearts. And also, I'd like to say that I think the pickup of uh, Benningame in midfield is really good as well. He showed some good patience in the build-up to the the first goal. I've seen him play before actually for Everton, your other club, Jamesy. E. Um, impressed with him.
0: Yeah, I think um, both him and Harding in the centre of uh, the midfield are quite a handy duo for Hearts especially in an away game um, I, I think that's going to be a useful um, yeah, a useful duo for, for Nielsen going forward uh, Jamesy anything else you'd want to add before we shift on no good <laughs> okay straight to the point fair play um, okay let's go to uh, Hearts as Edinburgh rivals Hibbs winning 3-0 uh, at home to Ross County and um, second game this season for in the league where they've, they've scored three goals, two out of two. Um, exact same goal scorers as last week as well, um, which I just sort of noticed when I was uh, looking at the, the the result earlier on. Um, but, my God, the Bross couldn't you make it easy for them. Um, I think I saw a lot of people say that, with Hibbs obviously 3-0 up at half-time, it was going on 5 and 6 and um i'm just kind of assuming that the the lack of well any more goals for and for hibs was down to maybe players taking their foot off the gas with an eye on the Europa League on Thursday because that ties in the balance with the with no more away goals it's not as bad a result as it used to be and um if you can wrap up a game at half time then fair play if you just want to, uh, if you just want to see it out which which Hibbs probably did but um I'll we'll go to you first what did you make of uh, Hibbs' performance here? Well I, I'm typically quite impressed by certainly the forward players for Hibs uh, like you said I mean we'll get to Ross County and how they kind of
3: played into their, their hands but yeah I was Again, impressed. I think Martin Boyle was explosive as ever. Um, both the the wing backs um, Doig
1: and McGinn at times were, were getting forward well and just kind of providing those kind of overloads and wide areas. Um, yeah, controlled controlled performance and a lot of um, fluidity as well going forward. I thought Murphy actually looked something back to to his best as well for him. So. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a really good deep squad at the moment. Um, guys that can come in um, in in multiple positions. Doyle Hayes is a decent little pickup in midfield as well. I thought he slotted in quite nicely in it um, as well. I'm a, a fan of Kyle McGinnis. I kind of said when he signed him that he would um, be one to watch. It Didn't quite work out for him uh, the sort of back end of last season, but he started this season really well another good header another good goal for him so yeah I think Hibs are off to a flyer and I think that they're in for another
0: pretty good season I would say in the league I would certainly fancy them to, to finish third uh, at this present moment Yeah I think what's what was so impressive as well is that um, you, you've, you've won this game so comfortably without Kevin Nisbet I think he was out injured uh, I'm not seeing didn't see anything before the game confirming that but i did see on the uh the old fantasy football app that he was injured and i decided not to replace him for some reason i just didn't trust the app so maybe that's a hint in the future trust the app injuries are true but yeah christian joy Do- christian dodge rather coming in and i think what's really crucial here is that that's two goals in two games for him was just mentioned um and there was spells last season, he, did he not go like 13 or 14 games without a goal or something like that? Um, which is one hell of a drought for someone who has picked up a few few goals so far in his, his time at Hibs. So him getting off the mark last week and then continuing that this week is really important for Hibs um, if they're looking to ever rotate or just another option up front if uh, if they're sort of struggling in certain points of the game. Um has we were, you mentioned before we started recording, Martin Boyle just absolutely tore the uh, the left side for for uh, Ross County a new one uh, in this game. Just so many times when he was ghosting past uh, the guys down the uh, the left flank for for Ross County that it was just pretty, It was just quite old fashioned winger wing play from them, just bombing at the full-back, getting past them, pure through his speed and getting across it. I think there's a chance for um Jamie Murphy where it's just it's incredible how easy it is for him to get past Yakoviti but um Jim, i oh, I think that's probably the first time I've called you Jim on the podcast actually. But uh continue. We'll go to you for Ross County um and Malky Mackay what's your what's your take yes, on this I one I think as we,
2: we we've said before I think uh, for if you're a Ross County fan I think you you probably weren't too like I think for the League Cup anyway you thought okay we'll see how this goes but I think the signings they've made it's it's very I would say p- quite poor recruitment in my honest opinion I think just getting guys there you know there's nothing wrong that I've got nothing wrong with loan signings but just the sheer volume um for a team that is tipped to go down. I think it's a lot for these young players. Um and you know, once once you go a goal down, um, you know, I think it's after that it's a lot more difficult to try because I think Ross County will be chasing games for quite a lot of the time, but I think you know, I think half half of the reason that Martin Boyle had such a Easy time on the left wing was just because, like, for example, Yakoveti and Charles Cook, they're just completely at sea and they just don't really know what they're going. Because Charles Cook, you know, from what I remember when he came in, he was tipped to be, you know, something else, you know. And I just don't think <laughs> he's probably not got the best person for guidance in us uh, perspective. Um, but I think it'll probably be quite a long season for Ross County but I do think they need maybe a bit cliche but I think they need a couple more experienced players or people that are going to be there Um, you know a bit long term um, signings because I think if they continue like this you know these guys don't have time to gel I think um, there was five players or something I think I remember hearing that have not even played yet so I I think Obviously, the signings were made quite late as well, so they've not really maybe had much time to implement, well, I would say system, but I don't think they've got, really got one yet. Um, but yeah, I think very poor from Ross County, but you can't give any, can't take anything away from Hibbs. I think
1: they're absolutely electric. As- I've got to say, though, the one thing I would say, and it's not even necessarily a defensive Charles Cook, because I thought that... You know, for the role that he's being asked to do he's not performed well but that is not the position that he had been playing when he came in Ross County he was a winger um, and now he's playing as a wing back which I don't think that Ross County have got many options in that position I mean certainly last season they had Josh Reid and Carl Tremarco um, now they're playing Charles Cook as a wing back in a game where Martin Boyle is playing out wide on that side of the pitch and then you've got Jakovic in behind who, as shown throughout this game, isn't exactly blessed with the most pace. It's it's just a massive tactical oversight, in my opinion. A guy who's inexperienced in that position, playing ahead of somebody who lacks pace. It, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's, that's why, he, like you he said, Rory, he's just
3: flown past them. Um, on multiple occasions and actually at times Charles Cook is out of position and a guy like Jordan Tilson is having to cover for him so yeah
1: massive problems as you said Jimsy it just kind of feels as though Ross County don't have a set system and it's it's very dysfunctional very disorganised and um, yeah I mean obviously he's he's not got the best options there's been quite a, a significant turnover of players but I mean as a coach, you've got to adapt on the fly. And I, I feel like that's something he's overlooked
0: massively in this game. Yeah, it seems as though he's thought, right, okay, this is a system that... I, I don't know if he's trying to... He, he's expecting Hibs to go with their three at the back as well and try to match them up. But if that's what he's he's tried to do, then he's, he's failed spectacularly. Um, and then, yeah the the sign is at jake Vossens from uh, southampton he's a he's a left back he wasn't in the squad so i'm assuming he was injured um but surely he can surely he'd realize right okay if if that this just isn't charles cook's position and drops him in there against probably one of the best right wingers in the league um it, it, you you you'd maybe expect this from an ex, an inexperienced manager, and I know he's not a, a ton of managerial jobs, but that that was just such a naive team selection from from um, McKay. And To your point about the recruitment, Jamesy, I I'm already getting the early signs of you you, you know when you see a side get relegated and there's loads of lone players. And the supporters just turn on these young guys, um, saying like, "Oh, it's f- they, they they don't really care. They'll go back to their parent club, and they'll be fine. They'll get another loan, move somewhere else." Whereas they've just left our club, relegated or something like that. I don't know. I'm just getting some pretty bad, um, bad thoughts about th- this this squad and where they're going. But uh, we can shift on, unless uh, either of you want to add anything else on on this game. I think the positive for Ross
1: County is there's plenty of other clubs who are in a similar position at the moment in the league. So, and obviously a long way to go. And you know, here's hoping that, for, from their perspective, that they can get things sorted, get a few more bodies in, and, and just get a bit more of a stable
0: shape. Yeah, I suppose another positive for them is they are playing Rangers next, to seem to be losing games um, at will. <laughs> so, uh, maybe they can pick up their first points of the season there. Um, right, okay, we'll shift on to Jamesy's two favourite teams in the league. St Johnston won, Motherwell won. Um, Jamesy, as I said, your two favourite sides in the league. I'm going to come to you first. Um, how how did you enjoy this battle between two tactical geniuses in Callum Davidson and um, Graham Alexander? Well, the only the only shock for me that there was a goal apiece, I could have nailed on. It was going to be a draw today. I think. Um, today. I think basi- basically I on, what I said. It was on Sunday, Jamesy, um, e, not Wednesday. I'm sorry,
3: Sunday. <laughs> <Okay>. sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think basically going back to how I said on the, I think it was the Hibs Motherwell game, the the opener there. For these two teams again Motherwell uh, but also St Johnston it will be a case of who makes the least defensive mistakes um, and I think that's pretty much what, what it's boiled down to I think again Motherwell looks super average at the back um, I think there was one time I think it was very very early on that Liam Kelly tried to um pass out from the back and it was just complete suicide and it, it was just lucky that Stevie made a complete bottler and didn't manage to do anything with it but I think um, as I say I think St Johnston's attack they probably could have got a couple more goals I think Xander Clark definitely bailed them out he had quite a few like last ditch in the corner saves as well um, as I say absolutely no surprise to me that uh, this game ended up as a 1-1 but um I think the most worrying thing for Saint Johnston is the Motherwell goal. I think um, how open Tony Watt was. I just I think because Tony Watt again is super bang average as well, and the fact that he's getting that space, and I think a couple minutes later as well he got that space again. So I think it's something that. They'll just need to maybe tighten up because I don't necessarily think the goal, the two goalkeepers anyway they're fine, you know there's no problems there. But I do think defensively they just need to sort that out. I think um, I I don't know why O'Donnell just looks really I don't know he just looks a shade of the player that he was um, at the Euros um, for for Motherwell anyway. And I think this will be again when when these teams come to McDermott I think this is the type of Performance they expect, and again, it'll just be outscoring other teams. I know that's just how you try and play football, but um, yeah, I think Van Veen again looks quite good um, for Motherwell. Um, but again, I think St Johnston probably also looking one eye on the Galatas right match. So, would they have done a bit better against Motherwell? And they probably should have as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know we laugh at uh, O'Donnell's own goal, just. <laughs> a guy that's not really having any luck at the minute giving away a pen uh, to make to lose the third goal last week um, with it, it was quite unlucky there but wasn't the greatest uh, sort of body position and then in this one the ball just clatters off him in his own net um, yeah you wouldn't say that his first two games in the league as my old well captain have gone too well Um Has what what was your thoughts on this game? Any that is a point of fair result um, for both sides, or did any team edge it? I think it probably is a fair result on the balance
1: of the sort of chances in the game. I think St Johnston probably over the course of uh, of the match played the better stuff um, at times, although as Jamesy referenced. There's a couple of really impressive saves from uh, from Xander Clark, um, particularly from set-pieces that um, Motherwell would probably feel they're unlucky not to score um, in those situations. Um, and yeah, I mean, it does in the end come down to defensive mistakes because I think the um, Tony Watt goal is, is just a, such an awful and um, disappointing defensive lapse from Liam Gordon where he's just... He, he's actually in line with Tony Watt and then he just gives up tracking him um, and gets drawn towards the ball, um, which is not something
3: you used the same for uh, Liam Gordon. I thought he was fantastic throughout uh, the
1: majority of last season uh, for St Johnston, but yeah, quite an even game. St Johnston, I think, are more settled in their shape and more comfortable doing what they do in, in terms of progressing the ball up the pitch. As you saw, I mean, Motherwell not, not super comfortable playing it out from the back as they tried to do at the time. Um But yeah, I, I think on the balance of the game, a draw is fair. Um, St Johnston will be seriously worrying, though, about the... Again, I mean, it's kind of like last season. They're still lacking a clinical guy up front um, who will snap up gifts like Stephen May has in the first half, like James E referenced. I mean, he's taken an extra touch for absolutely no
2: reason. Um, And that, in my opinion, is what they're lacking, to be a a serious challenger for um, European spots on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I I was pretty surprised by how soft the the goal was that they conceded. As you said, Liam Gordon's a guy that had a, a, a really good season last year. But also just that back three are so well organised and well structured that it is a shock when you see them give up such easy goals and yeah I I don't I just don't really know what he's thinking whether it's just a a lapse in concentration maybe a bit of fatigue sitting in from, from Thursday night I don't know but it's it's just so soft and it's, it's cost them but then you, you also made the point about a lack of um, a clinical finisher there's a chance that falls to um, I think it's Michael Halloran in the second half um, and he, he's, he's got well he's he's not essentially one-on-one with a goalkeeper but he's got a really he's just outside the six-yard box and it's a really good angle and he just doesn't hit the corner and it's a pretty tame shot and it's, it's saved comfortably, comfortably by Liam Kelly, and it's not even one of the one of those that I'd say is like a really decent save, and just it was just so weak, um, which is it is a concern. But I guess it's after after Thursday night, tough tough trip and stuff and tough game. But I'm not sure it's going to be an absolute. I wouldn't say Callum Davison's going to be losing too much sleep over over this result, but. Yeah, a bit of a concern. What was that, Jamesy? As I said, I think he should, probably should. I think uh,
2: Motherwell are bang average at the back. And as Harry said, they're just not clinical. I think they have more than enough chances. And again, that's two draws now in the league. Um, they didn't break down Ross County. Um, and they failed to beat Motherwell at home, which, you know, if you if you look at this two scores, I think they really should have... Um, that I think obviously one focus on Galatas, but I really think that was a game they should have won. Yeah, I mean the the, the reason he probably would uh, lose a bit of sleep, I guess, is because it's it's probably
1: two weeks running where, from a Saint Johnston perspective, you'd make the argument that they should have won both of those games, and uh, you know ultimately they've dropped four points. It's not super costly. I don't think they're. I mean, again, they're a good side. Like you said, Rory, I mean, they're well, very well drilled. I think if you compare the two sides, one is, is very much further on its development under um, under their coach. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of
0: uh, points to drop early on in the season. But I'm sure they'll pick things up when um, the fixtures um, potentially ease up a little bit. I mean, we'll see what happens against Right, It's a very difficult game, of course, on paper, Um give a very good account of themselves out in Turkey, but uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Mm, yeah, for sure. So we'll shift on now to the, the final game of the weekend where Aberdeen beat Livingston 2-1, coming from a 1-0 down to win the game. Um, I guess, again, coming off of a, a, a European game where Aberdeen did win their tie, um, or the first leg of their tie, anyway. Um, you, you, you all. It's it's cliched. Livingston's not an easy place to go, and in, in, in more of a sense that, in terms of the pitch, really, I just don't ever find that that pitch is is suited to a good game of football. I don't want to like get too stuck into the pitch and, um all the astral stuff but I just never f- I can't remember a time where I've actually seen a really decent entertaining match on that pitch but James E I'll come to you because um, you know you've got a soft spot for Livingston for some reason um, what do you make of this one yeah i I don't think so much the surface. I think Livingston
2: make it hard for teams to play just because the way they, they sometimes just sit in and try and, you know, go direct and long encounter, um, but regardless, um, yeah, I think there was some of that, you know, defensive frailties that we were speaking about um, for Aberdeen again, especially in the first half, I think, um yeah, I think there's a couple of times where it, it, Livingston could have easily been two ahead. Um, obviously the goal, and then a couple of minutes later, I think it's um, is it Pitman? I think it is. Skews it white. Uh, yeah. yeah. Has no. Yeah, he has absolutely like just skiffs the finish completely. Um, yeah, a decent header from Bruce Anderson. I think, you know, there was an argument for offside. I don't, I don't particularly think so myself. I don't think there's any interfering with play. But I think from an Aberdeen point of view it's a good three points it's a very good three points um, They, I would say that Aberdeen would have dominated the game I think they edged it more than anything um, because it was I thought it was sort of even if I'm being completely honest um, I think we really missed eh, sorry Aberdeen really missed uh, Ramirez um, I think having jet as a sole striker I think it's a complete waste um, as I say the, the presence was just completely missed up front um, you know if if you are playing away at Livingston sometimes you do want to go long uh, which is fine to hold up he just was not in any position to hold the ball up I think um, the rest of the team seemed to be gelling quite well actually um, however I think the, the midfield was a bit lost without Scott Brown in it I think the the control in the game happened after he came on. I don't know if it's a, you know, a presence of him coming on or what it is. But I think McGee did well. But I think when Scott Brown came on, there was a bit more control. And that's when Aubrey were pretty much in the driving seat after that. Um, but yeah, uh, still encouraging signs. Still early days for both teams. I think Livingston... Again, people tip them to go down. I think there was enough about them today um, that you know if, if they came away with a one-all draw, that would have been a good day for them. And um, a day they also could have easily won it as well. Um, but yeah, and, and you, I think you have to feel for the the keeper because he was quite good when he came in uh, last season. Uh, pulled off quite a good few saves. It's just one of these things that happens. Every keeper makes a blunder. So, uh, but yeah, I think Aberdeen did deserve it in the end.
0: Yeah, I think um Aberdeen were pretty crap in the first half. Um in fact no, not pretty crap. Aberdeen were really bad in the first half. Um I don't think they really got going at all. Barely I, I, I can't actually remember a chance Aberdeen had in the first half. Um but yeah, once once Brown came on they were much better. Um I think there was a few guys that really looked looked off the pace. Um I thought yeah, Jet was was way off. it, as you said, it doesn't look like a a, a sole striker. Um, I thought Niall McGinn he, it was terrible. <laughs> Even though he, he puts in a, the cross for the goal, doesn't actually find anyone. It's, it, the cross isn't nowhere, and it's a poor clearance that actually um makes its makes its way to Jenks. Um, he looks like a guy that's totally finished. Um, but. I, 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 even though, even though when Ramirez came on, I wouldn't say he he made a massive difference. Um, it is a bit of fortune that Aberdeen got the win. Um, to be fair, I'm not sure I actually feel for the keeper. I think that that's a shocking mistake. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm, I don't think there's any any um, excusing that a, a a goalkeeper has to catch that. It's just a total lack of concentration, which probably is the difference between a. A, a, a real decent keeper and a, a pretty average one uh, unfortunately for him uh, I know he had a half decent season last year but that's he, he's, he's, he's sold the jerseys there um, yeah a, a, a pretty crucial win for Aberdeen because I know people say the ball. when you pick up three points when you don't play well it's a sign of a decent side but um, yeah I think the second half performance is a lot more encouraging for them uh, what did you make of this one has? Well, I think that the, the team selection was quite bold
1: from Stephen Glass in the sense that he's, he's brought in a lot of guys who um, either haven't played or haven't played a lot of minutes. Ger, um, Gallagher is obviously still kind of returning to full fitness. Uh, like you said, Jenks, I mean, it's, it's quite bold to, to make so many changes for a game and um, I think that's, that's part of the reason why things didn't really get going for a while, obviously, I think as well. Um, the, the midfield 3 if you like because it's sort of McGinn playing as a 10 um, ahead of Jenks and McGee did lack control because Jenks seems to be a player who likes to, to be quite offensive so uh, Brown in this sort of game despite the fact that I, I don't like him um, yeah it, it made sense just to offer a bit more control to the midfield um, kind of settle things down and um, Retain possession a little bit more, um, because obviously chasing the game, you still need to be patient. Um, And I thought Aberdeen were maybe, obviously, very fortunate to get the second goal in the way that they do. Although I agree with you, Rory, it's a really, really basic error to make um, straight up the gut from the goalkeeper. So, um, but yeah, I mean, not the best performance. A win is a win, and obviously, you know, again. It's a similar. Th- it, it's kind of the other side of the coin for St Johnston, where you're playing all these games, and y- you know you can kind of chalk off um, some of the points you're dropping because oh, you've got one eye on Thursday. Well, Aberdeen are at the moment, I um, don't want to jinx them at all, but they're they're getting the job done in both. So uh, you've got to give them full credit for that, albeit with a, a large slice of fortune. I think Livingston were okay, and and, and certainly. Good going forward uh, in the early part of the game, but at the back seem a bit panicky, and especially for that first goal, they kind of just half clear it away, and Jenks um, tucks it away really well. But yeah, they seemed to be unsettled by the presence of Jet, even though he didn't have his
0: best game either. So that's that's a bit of a problem, I think, just a lack of composure at the back for them. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... What I'd be quite concerned about, still early days, but I just thought that going forward, guys like Sybil and Forrest were quite anonymous, um, just didn't really get into decent enough positions. I, I thought Bruce Anderson actually had a really good game, um, and even outside of his goal, picked up some decent positions, got, had some decent chances, and I thought um, Jack Hamilton when he came on for Sybil just uh, after an hour he he made a bit of a difference going forward um causing some trouble uh, for the aberdeen backline especially going in behind showed some decent pace at times um so he looks like a, a a good option whether he he continues to come off the bench or maybe starts with that next to anderson um and then I, I, on the other side i thought when anderson came off for gavin riley the that, that was a, a massive downgrade that, i don't think that guy offered anything near as much as, as Anderson did going forward um i guess it's just it, it'll be a massive disappointment for Livingston um because at that point they're probably if you if you were david martindale and you you're limiting Aberdeen to a shot from that range on the the weak foot of a young uh, left back you're thinking, fine. That's that's okay. We'll we'll take that all day long. So, um, they'll be disappointed they've lost the goal in that that position. But um, yeah, I think, um uh, that kind of have you got anything else you'd like to add in this one? Either Jamesy? Oh uh, yeah, uh, no. As say, I think as you say, the performance first half was poor. I think um, it's it's still
2: still early days for both teams, but um. Again, again, I think David Marley, will be. You looked at his face when he finished, and I know certain members of the the group will be very happy at how he how he looked at full time. But yeah, I think you've, that's a real sickener. And as you say, if if you're limiting a, a team of Aberdeens, um, you know quality to pot shots from like
1: 20, 30 yards, you'll take that absolutely all day. Yeah, that's the one thing I would say that's positive for Livingston is if you compare them to um, other sides we've seen, Ross County and uh, Dundee, obviously, um, playing against Hibbs and Selig, you can argue you know, which attack is more dangerous, what, what have you, but Livingston defensively did seem a little bit more stable. Um, I mean, should have, from their perspective, gone on to see out the game and, and get a point, which they would have been more than happy with. So, um, defensively, I think they, they seem a lot stronger um, than some of the, the other sides that are kind of joining them down there uh, at the foot of the table. So, that's one thing that, despite the fact they end up on
0: the, the wrong end of a, a game like this, they can maybe take from it. Right. So, we'll round things off there. Um, we'll be back next week looking at uh, the League cup uh, games that all are taking place over over the weekend um but until then thanks for listening as always um and we'll see you next week.